This week's episode of Discovering Trek is brought to you exclusively by Fansets. Keep listening for this week's savings code just for Discovering Trek listeners. Discover a whole new universe of pin collectibles with Fansets online at fansets.com. More magic mind melds, the return of Amanda Grayson, and um, yeah, it looks like Lorca is a couple cans short of a six-pack. Episode six of Star Trek Discovery is now part of Star Trek history, and it's only logical that we delve into this Vulcan-heavy episode right now. I'm your host, Dan Davidson, and we are Discovering Trek. Welcome, friends, all across the Alpha Quadrant to Episode 6 of Discovering Trek, the Star Trek Discovery Companion, presented by Fansets. It is great to be here, as always, with you once again to talk about the latest episode of the latest Star Trek series, that is Discovery. Again, my name is Dan Davidson, and we are thrilled that you are joining us. As always, this is the premier podcast to get the most in-depth discussion and analysis about the latest episode of Star Trek Discovery. Lethe had some pretty incredible reveals, and we'll discuss it in full detail right here. And in addition to that, we'll get our thoughts on what we think might happen next. And more importantly, we'll discuss what this week's episode helped us discover about our very own humanity. You know, last week it was strange not to have my number one with me to navigate through the nebula. Nebula? Yeah, I got that right. Uh, That was episode five. Uh, Thankfully, I had Jeff Hewlett from the Tricorder Transmissions Podcast Network to help me while Bill was not feeling well. But today he's back, and I am so glad to share this podcast stage with my friend, my brother in Trek, and my illustrious and now healthy co-host, Bill Smith. Bill, welcome back, buddy. Thanks, buddy. I have to say, I was struggling to find my own humanity last week. That's for sure. It's a uh, it's great to be back. It's it's great to be in the number two chair. I feel like I should mumble like Chakotay, but I'm ready to do this. Excellent. Well, we've got a lot to talk about. That is for sure. Another fantastic episode of Discovery is in the books, and uh, we've got a special guest to join us tonight to talk about Lethe, don't we? We do, Dan. Due to some last minute scheduling conflicts. We had to postpone our discussion with Scott Mance for an episode later this season. But fear not, tonight's guest is sure to have some fantastic insight and thoughts as to what we saw in episode six of Star Trek Discovery. She's one of the original fans of Trek Geeks and the creator of Trek Tuesday, where we wear Trek garb and ask you to send us your photos on Twitter doing the very same. She's been heard discussing things such as Orphan Black over at Culture Clash on the Fandom Podcast Network. She also hangs with us every year at STLV, and tonight she's hanging out here on Discovering Trek. She's Haley Stoddart, and Haley, thank you so much for being with us. We appreciate you coming to Discovering Trek. Well, thank you for having me. I appreciate it. You know, um, Haley, I, I can't believe that it's taken us this long to have you on as a guest, whether it is here or over at Trek Geeks. I hope you'll forget, uh, forgive both Bill and I. Uh, we are excited to talk with you, and we look forward to your thoughts on what we saw with Lethe. Um, we're going to get into that in just a moment. But Bill, uh, before we do that, why don't you tell all our listeners how they can contact us and let us know how awesome Haley is on tonight's episode of Discovering Trek. Priority one message from Starfleet coming in on secured channel. Dan, those hailing frequencies are open and you can find us on Twitter at Discovering Trek. And on Facebook, we can be found at facebook.com slash Discovering Trek. There you can join in on the discussion of this week's episode. Leave us comments, questions or suggestions. The whole nine. Also, please don't forget that you can send us a voicemail at speakpipe.com slash trekgeeks. Please do remember that any comments you leave us may be used on an upcoming episode of Discovering Trek. Dan. Thanks, Bill. Uh-oh. Spoiler alert. Spoiler alert. Spoiler alert. 
From here on in, this episode of Discovering Trek contains spoilers, so if you haven't watched Episode 6 of Star Trek Discovery, stop listening right now this very second. Go on over to CBS All Access and watch the latest episode. Failure to do that puts you at risk to find out plot developments and character details for Leafy. Ambassador Sarek is preparing to depart Vulcan on a diplomatic mission. When asked, he does not inform his Vulcan traveling companion about the nature of that mission. Aboard Discovery, Burnham and Tilly are running laps through the ship. Burnham is coaching Tilly to a time that will earn her a physical endurance commendation. Lorca and Tyler are training against Klingons in a holographic training room. Lorca grills Tyler about his past and history. He wants to make Tyler his chief of security, and Tyler accepts the position. Sarek wonders why his ship is not dropped out of warp and why the course has been changed. His traveling companion is a fanatic, part of a group who believes that humans are inferior and that Vulcans should withdraw from the Federation. The other Vulcan injects something into his arm, turning him into a walking bomb, flashes a live long and prosper sign, and then explodes as Sarek erects a force field. Burnham orders a nutritious meal for Tilly, hitting all the macros. Tilly notices Tyler sitting in the mess hall. Word on the street is he killed six Klingon soldiers himself while escaping with Lorca. Tilling and Burnham sit with Tyler. Tyler extends a hand to shake Burnham's, and she suddenly feels incredible pain. Her vision blurs, and she falls to the floor as she sees... Sarek? Sarek is reaching out to Burnham via their long-distance Kotrick link. Burnham then sees a gathering on Vulcan that she attended with both Sarek and her surrogate mother, Amanda Grayson, years ago. In this vision, Burnham was denied a spot in the Vulcan expeditionary group. Amanda protests, but Sarek accepts the decision and considers finding a place for Burnham with Starfleet. Burnham just wants to leave. Uh, now. Then, Sarek sees present-day Burnham. He asks her what she's doing there in his mind. He then steps up and forces her out of his memory, uh, literally. She awakens in sickbay with Dr. Culver, Captain Lorca, and Cadet Tilly standing over her. She tells them that Sarek is in trouble and explains about the Kotrick link. She also remembers that Sarek believed Burnham could show the heights of human potential. Other fanatics on Vulcan disagreed and tried to have Burnham killed. It was at this moment that Sarek grafted his Katra to hers, not during the Klingon attack that killed Burnham's parents. Lorca contacts a Vulcan Starfleet Admiral who tells him that Sarek's ship is indeed missing. The Vulcans were engaging in peace talks without Starfleet, and Sarek never arrived. Lorca tells the Admiral that he'll mount a rescue mission, something the Admiral tells him not to do, but Lorca goes ahead and does it anyway, cutting off communications abruptly. Radiation from the nebula is making it difficult to find Sarek. Lorca and Burnham go to Stamets, who believes he can modify a neural enhancer to boost Burnham's Kotrick link and reach Sarek, but they'll have to take a shuttle inside the nebula. Tilly will go with her to operate the neural enhancer, and Lorca assigns Tyler as the pilot and tells him to bring back Burnham without a scratch. Or don't come back at all, really. Lorca gets a transmission from Admiral Cornwell. Her cruiser just dropped out of warp, and she's requesting permission to dock. Cornwell admonishes Lorca for his unauthorized rescue mission and many other decisions. In the end, she says she came to talk to her friend. Burnham tells Tilly that Sarek's dying thoughts are how Burnham were his most significant failure for not being accepted into the Vulcan Expeditionary Group. Tilly engages the neural enhancer, and Burnham returns to the memory from earlier. Amanda is gifting her the Lewis Carroll book and reminds her to always remember that she is human, as Sarek brings that news of Burnham's rejection. Present-day Burnham announces herself to Sarek, and he fights her again, but this time Burnham fights back. Burnham's readings become very erratic, and Tyler pulls rank on Tilly, ordering her to pull Burnham out. Meanwhile, Lorca and Cornwell reminisce about old times. Aww. Cornwell says she's really worried about Lorca and how he's putting the Discovery and her crew into harm's way. He's changed since the Baran was destroyed. Lorca manages to manipulate Cornwell into making things more, um, horizontal. Tyler 
Tilly, and Burnham try to figure out what they can do. Tyler suggests that Sarek isn't looking at Burnham's failure, but really his own. Burnham goes back in and returns to the memory. Sarek reveals that the Vulcan Expeditionary Group is willing to accept either of Sarek's non-Vulcan projects, Burnham or Spock, but not both. He had to choose. Sarek chose Spock, only for Spock to choose Starfleet instead. Sarek admits the failure was his and that he is ashamed. Burnham tells Sarek to show her how to save him like he saved her after the bombing. They mind meld and Sarek awakens on his ship and engages the ship's transponder. Cornwell examines the scars on Lorca's back while they're in bed. This wakes him and he instantly rolls over and puts a phaser to her head. Cornwell is livid with Lorca and convinced that he is not mentally fit to captain the Discovery. Lorca begs Cornwell not to take his ship away. Lorca then joins Burnham in discussing Sarek's health and how to accomplish his mission. Lorca decides to ask Cornwell to complete it. He says he didn't mount the rescue mission for Sarek, but for Burnham, and then awards her the position of science specialist on the bridge of the Discovery. Burnham speaks with Sarek. She wants Sarek to talk to him. When he resists, Burnham tells him that she won't push him away, but they will have this conversation one day. Before leaving, Cornwell tells Lorca that when she returns, they're going to discuss how Lorca will step down and get help, and then maybe he can return to the captain's chair. Burnham tells Tilly that she gave her bad advice and that she should find her own way to the captain's chair. Tilly says she has. Burnham tells Tyler about how she feels unburdened by this new information she got from Sarek and that she's feeling a lot of emotions. Tyler tells her that's just being human. Burnham offers her hand to Tyler, and this time they reintroduce themselves. On Cancri 4, Cornwell tries to negotiate with the Klingons and the elders of Cancri 4. The Klingons immediately kill the Cancri elders and the Starfleet guards. They contact Cole, who welcomes them into his new empire. He had been hoping to capture Sarek, but Cornwell will do. Saru awakens Lorca and informs him of Cornwell's capture. Saru is surprised when Lorca tells him to contact Starfleet Command and ask for orders. And what Saru doesn't see is the phaser Lorca has concealed behind his back. You know, Bill, uh, it's good that things are back to the way that they should be after your absence last week. Uh, your recaps have become the stuff of legend, sir, and this week was no different. Well done, my good man. Thank you. Thank you. It's an honor to serve. <laughs> well, we are glad that you were here to service us. A uh, little Borg reference there. So, Obviously, a lot happened last night. Very Vulcan-centric episode. I was very impressed uh, with what we saw in last night's episode. Let's get right into it. And Haley, the first thing I'm going to ask you about is what did you think, uh, what, were your, what was going through your brain when we actually found out that the training center bombing that took place when Burnham was a child was actually Vulcan's? and not Klingons, as I had originally thought was the case. Yeah, that was a little surprising. Um, but I kind of think, you know, I hail back to some of the other Trek episodes that we've had where we've had that dissension and those factions, and it kind of makes sense that for this point in time, they wouldn't want Vulcan-human interaction. They wouldn't want that... Um, collaboration as much as they we would think that they would want mm -hmm. you know we think these in most trek vulcans and humans starfleet have gotten along um but yeah I, that was kind of surprising a little bit yeah it was surprising to me as well bill the first thing that i thought about when this revelation came out uh, on the episode was I started thinking about the radical Vulcans from Enterprise. And even though this was, or this takes place some 90 years or so from Enterprise, do you think there could possibly be any relation to these radicals as, and the other ones that we saw during uh, Captain Archer's time? I think there almost has to be, right? I, I figure that this series has enough of the DNA from Enterprise going on in order to tell a great story. And I think that that's a logical progression from Enterprise to this, these logical extremists, as they're called. 
I mean, we may as well just call them terrorists because that's kind of what they are if they're going to bomb a school. The other thing that came to my mind was that really this faction is not all that different from Takuvma and his Klingons because all these Vulcans want to do is, wait for it, remain Vulcan, <laughs> if that makes sense. Very, very well done. Um, one of the things that I found most interesting was also um, the co-pilot in Sarek's shuttle, uh, how he he thought that at some point Vulcan would remove itself from the Federation that, right before he exploded. Uh, I thought that was very interesting. Uh, and I got to wonder if something like that is going to show up later as well. Um, next thing I wanted to discuss which I thought was a great reference to official canon, of course, which we've seen so well done in Discovery, was the discussions about Spock. And Bill, let's start with you. I thought that those scenes were very, very well done. Uh, You could see the, um, I don't even know the best word to describe, emotion wouldn't be the right word, I don't think, on Sarek's face, when they started talking about Spock, and he had to choose Spock over Michael in regards to getting into the school. What were your thoughts on that when we saw that last night? You know, it made me think right back to Journey to Babel, when Sarek and Amanda come aboard the Enterprise. And there's that obvious tension between Spock and Sarek. And I'm thinking to myself, okay, so he's chosen his half-Vulcan son over his foster daughter, for want of a better word. And Spock is just going to go ahead and disappoint him and join Starfleet anyway. Essentially, leaving Sarek holding the bag for feeling like he's failed Michael. And I thought that that was pretty fascinating. I thought it was a great layer of texture to add to Sarek, something we didn't have before. And I almost wish that that character detail had always been there for Sarek's later meeting with Jean-Luc Picard. Yes, absolutely. Um, Haley, what about you? Um, It's great to see these references to past episodes, even though they take place in the future. It's very confusing from time to time. Um, But uh, I, for one, have been very happy with how they've handled stuff like this. It it can be considered retcon at this point because it does take place in the past from Kirk and Spock's uh, TOS. But uh, did you like what you saw? Uh, Are you interested to see more of this kind of thing happen per episode? I I enjoyed it. I think it gave a lot more depth. Um to the story and it opened up a lot that maybe people had considered, but not really said yes, for sure. That's what happened. Um, I loved how that played out later at the end of the episode, which I will talk about later because that was pretty big for me. So, okay. Um, I have a question for both of you and I'll let Bill uh, go first. Um, I was wondering, and I couldn't remember off the top of my head, if we remember in journey to Babel, Sarek has an ailment and he needs to be in sick bay to receive a blood transfusion. Do you recall what that actual ailment was? Do you think it's related to what happened to him uh, on this uh, shuttle when uh, the explosion took place and he was injured? Interesting. Uh, Off the top of my head, uh, as I sit here right now, I don't recall which it was. Mm -hmm. I know he was under treatment for something that he didn't tell Amanda about. I don't think it was related because it seemed like this was more of a physical injury. Okay. In Journey to Babel, he, of course, needed that transfusion. Yes. Uh, So uh, I could be wrong, but it would be a great nod to events 10 years forward. Sure. (laughs) Sure. Haley, on the same page, or do you think it might not be related? Yeah, I kind of agree with Bill. I mean, yeah, I don't know. I don't know my TOS as well. Sorry. <laughs> That's okay. Yeah. That's, every Star Trek is somebody Star Trek, right? That's not a problem. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, of course, uh, we're still uh, we're still going to talk about the Vulcans a little bit more. Um, I got to say, uh, Sarek's co-pilot uh, Vlatak, I think, was how he was pronounced. It's kind of it was. I've, I rewound the scene several times, and it's kind of hard to to hear what Sarek actually says. But that had to hurt injecting yourself with whatever that was. I got to say great special effects. Um, mm-hmm. but, uh, 
uh, Haley, what were your thoughts? I don't, ex- you don't expect to see something like that happen with the Vulcans. And it was, um, it was pretty intense. Yeah. It, it seemed very illogical, but, uh, my, my thing with that scene was why it took Sarek so long to react to it. I mean, he kind of stood there and I'm thinking, come on, he's, you know, what's going to happen. Obviously he knew that this dude was going to essentially blow up himself in the ship. And I thought, react faster. I would react faster. Why are you not reacting faster? That was what was going through my head at that point. But yeah, I just wanted to scream at the TV, react faster. <laughs> I, I get that all the time. I got to react faster. Bill, <laughs> what do you think? Um, was it a was it a good reaction from Sarek? I I kind of along the same lines as Haley. I'm like, okay, why isn't he beaming out, putting up shields, incapacitating this guy? Mm-hmm. I I can't say that it was shock because he's a Vulcan, and I don't really think that shock would make him hesitate. But what do you think? I think Sarek was probably in utter disbelief. I mean, I I agree with both of you. Uh, he probably should have reacted faster. And Haley's right. There is a lot of ill logic around this whole situation. The Vulcans, a race of pacifists, have a suicide bomber. I don't. I, that's something I can't really wrap my head around. Yeah. So uh, maybe that's why Sarek wasn't so sure because I, I have to imagine that's not the kind of thing that happens every day. But still, once he realized, it was pretty easy to to, to determine what was going on as the viewer. Mm-hmm. I would have thought he would have erected that force field a whole lot sooner. Quite honestly. Yeah, it was a little mm-hmm. bit surprising. Um, finally, one thing I wanted to touch on in regards to the Vulcans, and I'll have more to say later on in the show, is it really was interesting to me and a little bit uh, saddening at the same time that we are seeing that the Vulcans now, uh, during these flashbacks at the uh, um, exp- uh, what is it, the expeditionary group, are still as arrogant and bigoted as what we saw with the beginnings on Enterprise. That was really something that was uh, a shock to me. Uh, What do you think, Bill? Yeah, it is a bit shocking, but I think it's a thread they've had to carry through. We saw it in Star Trek 2009, and even though that was the Kelvin timeline, we know that Spock turned down entry into the Vulcan science uh or academy or whatever it was mm-hmm. because it, he was half human mm-hmm. and it, it seems to me that it's weird that vulcans have that quality i mean at this point there's an entire starship full of vulcans in the star trek universe the intrepid and it, i can understand it on one hand but it like you say it seems pretty illogical on the other yeah, I th- it's a direct callback to the, the thread started in Enterprise. I think it was going to provide some great drama. Maybe season two will center around some of this and Vulcan's possible withdrawal from the Federation. I don't know. That would be really cool. But um, yeah, definitely still arrogant and definitely still, um, I guess, bigoted is the right word. Yeah. Yeah, I'll be I'll be touching upon that later on. Um Haley, I got a, I got a specific, I got two questions I have for you, and they revolve around Captain Lorca right now. First of all, what was your opinion of him before Lethe? And then, after watching what we saw happen in this most recent episode, has your opinion changed, and has it, is it more positive or more negative than it was before? So, I was on the fence with him. I kind of liked him, but most aspects, not so much. And I still am feeling the same way. Uh, Interestingly enough, I was Google searching because I know that there's a term out there in the DSM-5, but I could not for the life of me remember what it is. But he's very, I think, deluded about himself and his abilities and this episode just kind of furthered that he's okay, but I definitely am not on his side. <laughs> Interesting. Not on his side. That's a good way to put it. Now, Bill, I think that you have some things you're going to talk about Lorca later on in the show. But uh, what about you? Um, we know how you feel about Lorca based on what we've talked about um, in previous episodes. This week had some pretty special um, 
doors opened in what we've seen into how he is. Uh, has your opinion changed? And more importantly, let me ask you this. Do you think he should be in command of the Discovery? I think my opinion on Lorca has changed a little bit, or at least it's evolving. Before, I thought he was just mad. And going back to some of the the, you know, the pre-show press junkets where Jason Isaacs was talking about Lorca, he talked about how this guy was really messed up. And in the last episode of Discovering Trek, I referred to him as damaged, the character. And I believe that now more than ever. Um, for reasons that I will state later, um, I, I am slightly more sympathetic toward Lorca. I don't think he's evil, but I definitely don't think he should be in command of that vessel. Um, I, I think he did everything to try to get back in the center seat. And unfortunately, the crew of the Discovery may bear the ultimate cost of that. Mm-hmm. Um, I, was, I, think the, I think when we saw him at his most real was the moment when Cornwell was leaving his quarters and he was begging her not to take the ship away from him. I think, and she said, it, I hate that I can't tell if this is the real you. I think that was the real him. Just a slight glimpse into what he's really like. And it's, it's really going to be interesting to see, um, to see what happens next. Speaking of Cornwell, I'm going to go to you, Haley, first, and then I want to get Bill's answer as well. I want to get both of your opinions on this. Um, do you think that he set up for Cornwell to be the person to go to that meeting? Um, and more importantly, do you think he intentionally is leaving her for dead by having Starfleet contacted instead of going out and trying to get him on his own? Oh, yeah. You betcha. <laughs> I don't think he necessarily knew, obviously, what the outcome was going to be, but I think he suspected. And he definitely had his suspicions that these Klingons that Derek was going to meet obviously were not, uh, had the best intentions, let's say. Um, so, yeah, I definitely think given the encounter that him and Cornwall had before and where she basically threatened to take discovery from him. Yeah. He, he definitely set her up and I don't think he, even if he's asked to go, will go and get her. Oh, wow. Okay. Uh, I hadn't even thought of that. <laughs> wow. Uh, Bill, what do you think? Um, for me, let me jump in real quick because I want to get your, your thoughts too. I think that he is intentionally going to attempt to make sure that she doesn't get back. Whether he takes part in her being killed or not is another story, but there's no way he's going to lose command of the discovery. Um, and he's going to do everything he can to make sure that that happens. What do you think? I'm right there with you. I think that He's if he is sent to get her, I don't think it's going to go well. And I think that will be intentional. He may not pull the trigger, uh, quote unquote, but I think that he will definitely um, not capitalize on opportunities to get the admiral. Because like you said, he doesn't want to lose that ship. I mean, Mm -hmm. that's that's who he is at this point. Mm -hmm. And if he loses that, then he probably figures his life is pretty much over. So I. I have to imagine that he's going to hold on to that captain's chair at all costs. It's funny when I was watching this episode, I'm in the middle of a, of a rewatch of one of my favorite shows, sons of anarchy right now. And I couldn't help, but think of the extremes that people will go to, to stay in the main seat, sons of anarchy. It's at the head of the table and Lorca is captain of the discovery. I found a lot of similarities. And the thing that concerns me is when I'm watching sons of anarchy, they will do anything, including murder to make sure that they keep uh, their seat at the head of that table. So uh, it'll be interesting to see what happens. A little plug for sons of anarchy there. So good discussion, uh, Haley and bill. I love it. Uh, But right now it's time for some somberness. This is where we remember all those that we lost in tonight's episode. We like to call it the Red Shirt Roll Call. He's dead, Jim. He's dead, Jim. He's dead, Jim. He's dead, Jim. Jim. You know, Discovery is a show where we're going to lose crew and we're going to lose characters. That much is certain. And although this week we didn't have any regular characters meet their maker, it still was not without death and destruction. So Bill, who are we saying goodbye to in episode six? 
Well, Dan, we bid a warm and fond farewell to Sarek's Vulcan co-pilot, Vlatak. He who turned himself into a Vulcan bomb. That didn't go so well for him. Dan, we also say goodbye to the elders of Cancree 4 who were executed by the Klingons toward the end of the episode. Those poor guys were just organizing a meeting and little did they know they were never going to leave it. And of course, Dan, we would be remiss if we didn't have any actual red shirts. And by that, I mean Admiral Cornwell's two unnamed security guys, because let's be honest, they were pretty much dead before they beamed down. (laughs) Yes, that happens all too often, doesn't it? Um, So whether it's heaven, whether it's Shakari, or whether it's wherever the Cancri believe they go to when they die, we wish them all a safe journey as we raise a glass of Synthahol in their honor and memory as they earn their spots on this week's Red Shirt Roll Call. Dan, this week's episode is brought to you by Fansets. They're the exclusive sponsor of Discovering Trek. You know, they truly are the place for everyone's collectible pin needs. You know, Dan, they represent so many franchises. You know, there's DC, Marvel. We know we've got Harry Potter, uh, Firefly. And they do have this little show called Star Trek. I think you've heard of it. Interesting. But you know, Dan, they have just the pin for even your favorite genre. We want everyone to head on over to fansets.com. They have an enormous library of products and accessories. Plus, we have an exclusive offer just for Discovering Trek listeners for this week only. Enter the code KATRA, that's K-A-T-R-A, at checkout for 10% off your entire order. But please don't wait. This code is only going to be available to use until next Sunday, October 29th, 2017 at 11.59 p.m. Eastern, Dan. Absolutely. And we want everybody to take advantage of that special savings. You know, Fansets is constantly releasing new pins. And this is just a great way to save some money, enjoy a podcast, and also add to your own awesome collection. You know, Dan, they have yet another way to add to your collection, which is brand new this year, just with the rollout of Star Trek Discovery. And it's by signing up for the new Fansets episode pin collection. Absolutely. It's um, uh, like you said, it's the Star Trek Discovery episode pin collection. And it's a unique way to show your love for this latest Star Trek saga. Uh, the collection consists of a unique pin for each of the 15 episodes of Discovery's first season. Plus, you're also going to get a special season pass pin, which will be available for you to order right now over at episodepins.com. If you go over to that site and sign up for the collection, you will be uh, ready to receive these pins when they come out. But you don't want to delay because in order to get that special season pass pin, you must order the collection before midnight on October 29th, 2017. Orders placed after that date will still receive the 15 episodic pins, but you will not get that additional season pass pin, which really looks pretty cool, and you can see that over on episodepins.com as well. Oh, that pin, just like all the other ones, are just amazing, Dan. And as you mentioned, all people need to do is head on over to episodepins.com and place your order. So about four to six weeks after the ninth episode of Discovery airs, the first nine episode pins in the series will go out to subscribers along with that special season pass holder pin. And then four to six weeks after the last episode of Discovery airs in 2018, the remaining six pins will ship out. Dan, this is a great way to display your love for both Discovery and for fan sets for sure. Indeed, my illustrious co-host, yes, fan sets, a set for every pin and a fan for every set. See their entire line of fansets.com. And as always, we thank our friends at Fansets for being our exclusive sponsor for the entire season of Discovering Trek. You know, Star Trek has always been a reflection of of our times. And in this segment, Sensor Analysis, we like to take a look at what this episode helped us discover about humanity, or maybe even what it helped tell us about ourselves. So we're going to delve right into that right now. And Haley, uh, let's start with you as our special guest. And what did you think this episode showed? There was a lot to choose from, in my opinion, but uh, what specifically did you want to uh, talk about for this week's Sensor Analysis? 
So what stood out to me uh, from this episode, just and probably other people as well, I think what is truth and how much we can trust people, no matter how well we know them. Um, you know, we take a look at what's going on in our country. We take a look at what's going on globally. Um, people telling us that this is fake or that is fake. You know, trust me, don't trust this. Um, even though those people are telling lies, um, you know, how much do we want to investigate and how, how much uncomfortable questions do we want to ask to get actually to what is the truth rather than just taking everything at face value? I think with a lot of the characters, there was a lot of, I think there was a lot of truth, but I think there was also a lot of, um, especially with Lorca, you know, him not wanting to delve into the complete truth. So he's telling half truths and Cornwell wants to trust him, but at the same time doesn't. And so I think that was the big thing for me, but that plays a big part in my life too. So. Very well said. Yes. I have, um, I have two quick points I want to make uh, in regard to this week's sensor analysis. The first one is Ash's comments about what people think about when they are close to death. Um, that really made my ears perk up. He said that you think about those who you love and you think about what you wish you had done differently in life. And I thought that was just a wonderful scene. Ash is new to the crew. Um, he's just getting to know uh, Tilly and Burnham. But, you know, I think he did a great job in helping comfort Burnham uh, because she was really struggling with what she thought was going on. And if not for that speech, uh, who knows what she might have done or not done. Um, so I thought that was really good. And secondly, uh, as listeners may remember, a couple episodes I spoke about bigotry and alienation that appeared to be part of Klingon society in the way that uh, other Klingons treated Volk. And it saddened me that this week we saw that this same kind of behavior runs rampant with a species and culture that's supposed to be evolved and not allow emotion to dictate their actions. And of course, I speak of the Vulcans. You know, those comments by the high Vulcan at the expeditionary group regarding quote, half Vulcans and human experiments, to me, was just another sad reminder of what we deal with here in our own society today. Uh, too often, people are ridiculed for being different uh, or what others believe is an inferiority. And it really is sad to see it's a joke that we still have to deal with all of this, and we simply just need to do better. Um, that's what I got out of it. Uh, Bill, I think you have uh, some uh, some things to talk about too. So, what did you what did you get about this week's episode? You know, as I thought about the humanity of this episode, I couldn't help but focus on Captain Gabriel Lorca and what we've learned about him over the past couple of weeks. You know, we know that he essentially destroyed his ship and killed his crew so that they would avoid capture and torture by the Klingons during the war. We also know that, as we mentioned earlier, he's pretty damaged. I mean, this is a man who's sleeping with a phaser under his pillow and recoils at the simplest of touches that he does not initiate. And it strikes me that he seems to be dealing with some form of PTSS. And I don't call it PTSD on purpose because, honestly, it's not a disorder. You know, I, I use the word damage a couple of times, but I think that compromised in Lorca's case might be a better word. I mean, he's a leader of men and women. And in order to do that, he simply must be at his level best where he can put the mission above himself. And at this point, Gabriel Lorca simply cannot. And as I consider what that means for us, I think it's a grave and stark reminder of the things that we ask people to do on our behalves every single day. You know, I, we often hear the mantra that freedom isn't free and it, it truly is not. The cost is born out of the men and women who volunteer to put on uniforms and defend lives and nations. In our modern day, it's servicemen and women. And in Starfleet, it's people like Gabriel Lorca. He's fought for the Federation in Starfleet, and now 
The cost is his very humanity. And while Michael Burnham is discovering hers, Lorca has steadily been losing his in spades. He could very well have been an exemplary officer at one point, but now he's just a liability and a threat to the very security of the Federation. More importantly, and I think that this is what I bring home the most, Gabriel Lorca is a reminder to me that there's so much more we can do for our own combat veterans, the men and women who wrote their governments a blank check in whatever nation they've served payable with their lives. You know, they're a group of people that, that we as humans fail, whether it's the combat we send them into or the care we provide them after they come home. And that's what Gabriel Lorca brought out for me this week. Wow. Um, you know, in all of the episodes that we've been talking about sensor analysis, Bill, I got to say, I think that is the most um, detailed, in-depth, and accurate representation of what um, the episode really means. Very well done. Both of you guys, great, great job. Thank you so much. Um, so right now, let's let's smile a little bit and have some fun with some Starfleet commendations. What we want to do now, Haley, I'm going to start with you, and uh, I want you to pick one, two, or three things that you want to call out in this episode that you loved. Uh, characters, performances, scenes, anything you want. What do you got for us? Uh, yeah, Burnham and Tilly. Yeah, totally <laughs> loving Burnham and Tilly together. Oh my gosh, that scene where they're running and she's motivating her and how it ties into the end and Tilly's just, you know, takes off running. I love that. Um, and I love Tilly's by far my favorite right now. Um, I love also that she's, and I mentioned this on Twitter earlier that she's not the stick straight, tiny female character. And I love that. I love that she's got curves and I love that, love that she is comfortable with who she is clearly. I mean, she struggles, we all do, but I love that she's comfortable with who she is. And my other favorite thing that was very personal for me was the end scene between Burnham and Tyler and where she's talking about her struggle between logic and emotion. And she's talking about how she's feeling these emotions that are conflicting and she doesn't quite understand how how to cope with them. And I think Tyler is going to be that person to kind of help her find her emotions and kind of return to her humanity while still allowing her to keep some of her logic. Because I definitely, people who know me well, I struggle with that myself. And I love that. That was probably my favorite. One of the things I love most about this show is that it's very personal to a lot of people. And there's a lot of things that happen in each episode that people can relate to on a very personal level. Good stuff. Uh, Bill, commendations time, brother. Oh, happy to do so. You know, Dan, first up, I have to give the writers a commendation, honestly, for making Lorca this damaged and fragile. You know, he's the last person who should be in command of a starship right now. And it's an intricate and compelling story. Ultimately, it makes you doubt whether, you know, you should have compassion or empathy for Lorca at all. And I think that's the best thing about the writing for this character. You know, usually Starfleet captains are beyond reproach and they're, you know, the best of the best. And with Gabriel Lorca, we just, we honestly don't know. And I think that that's the exciting part. And then, Dan, my other commendation tonight has got to go to Mary Wiseman. Just like Haley said, I I simply adore Tilly more and more each week. As, as awkward as she can be at times, she's as much a mentor for Michael Burnham as Burnham is for her. And the scene where they meet Tyler at the beginning and Tilly kicks Burnham under the table, <laughs> it's absolutely hilarious and well-played and well-edited. The whole thing just works. And it's, uh, it was an easy decision this week, Dan. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Uh, I may uh, allegedly have something to say about Tilly here in a minute. But um, for me, uh, my first commendation has to go to Mr. Ted Sullivan, who helped pen this episode. Um, it's my understanding that this is his first real 
uh, writing uh, an episode for television. And Ted, you killed it, man. It was a great job. All of the writers have always done such a great job so far in these episodes of Discovery. But um, special shout out uh, to Mr. Sullivan. I'm sure Jason Gorn is extremely proud of what you were able to do with last night's episode. So congratulations to him. And also, I want to throw out a commendation to Sonequa. Uh, you know, this, epi- this episode shows such a range of her acting skills, uh, from being scared and nervous in sickbay to the stoic Vulcan at the graduation in Sarek's memories. Uh, you know, the powers that be picked the right woman for this role, and she is killing it every single week. So big shout out to her and it appears that we do have a tilly trifecta for this week's starfleet commendations because she is in my list as well this character is such a breath of fresh air every single week the way she waved her hands in front of her face when she said that she was you know she made up for everything with her personality i thought that was hysterical it was just a very subtle moment but it just shows how bubbly she is and 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 quirky and it's something that i love she's fast becoming one of my all-time favorites in Star Trek. Uh, so great job to her as well. Yeah, Mary Wiseman is is really doing a good job as Tilly. Long-range scan of planet complete. So here we are. It's time for our long-range scans and our prediction for what we got, think is going to happen in Episode 7 or later on down the season. And Bill, I'm going to start with you first, man. Um, you've been uh, coming out with some very interesting uh, long-range scan predictions. So what do you have for us this week with what's happening next? Uh, you know, I've really struggled with this one this week, you know, because I feel like I've been so wrong on some stuff. <laughs> I feel like my record is pretty poor. My ERA is just in the <laughs> toilet. Um, so I'm going to go with something simple tonight. And I think that's um, in an upcoming episode, probably very soon, I think that we will probably add Admiral Cornwell to the red shirt roll call. Oh, that's, that's where I'm leaning. How, how it happens. I couldn't tell you, but I have a feeling she's not going to survive her Klingon captivity. Hmm. Interesting. Okay. Wow. More death is what you're saying. That's great, Bill. Okay. Pretty much. Haley, (laughs) you got anything a little bit happier? (laughs) Uh, I don't know. Maybe, probably not. Um, I, my prediction, uh, just kind of is with Lorca. I think he's going to continue to mentally deteriorate. Like I said earlier, I think he's got some delusions about himself. I definitely agree with Bill that he's very damaged and very broken, but I think his delusions are going to be the ultimate cause. He's you know, I think the crew's going to kind of eventually start to question his ability um, and question the choices that he is making and the dangers that he's probably inevitably going to be putting them all in. Um, I don't know. This is maybe just a complete long shot, but maybe Burnham is going to take the captain's chair oh. of Discovery over Lorca. I don't know. Wow. So like a double mutiny. Wow. (laughs) I don't know so much. I think maybe if it's a mutiny, maybe it won't just be her. I think maybe more of the crew will be kind of behind her. But yeah, maybe. Very interesting. I kind of have that as a little sub uh, prediction. Uh, my, My main prediction is very much along the lines of what you thought, Haley, I think Lorca is going to snap at some point. He's just going Mm -hmm. to snap and someone is going to pay the price and die. And like Bill said, in parentheses, I have Cornwell written down. Um, It'll be very interesting to see what happens with how this arc for Captain Lorca is going. I love what you said about, um, you know, is the crew going to start reacting because, you know, Michael Burnham is the first mutineer in Starfleet and, and who knows what's going to happen. Could we have another mutiny in our hand based on if Lorca snaps, it'll be very interesting to see. And the one other very quick thing I wanted to say, it's not so much a prediction as maybe kind of an omen. Ash Tyler 
Last week, we had a lot of conspiracy theories out there as to whether he was Volk or what's going on with him, this, that, and the other thing. Watching this week, he is a great character. I just wonder if he's too good to be true. So it'll be interesting to see what happens with, with Ash. I like the name. So we'll see. You know, Dan, last week, our friends over at Fansense announced the release of Series 2 of their Star Trek Discovery pins. And this latest release has some of the pins that I know I've been waiting for the most. And we're going to give away an entire set of these Series 2 pins to one lucky listener. I love doing these giveaways, man. The The latest set is absolutely awesome, people. I use that word awesome a lot with fan sets, and it's not an exaggeration. You know, Series 2, the good old NCC 1031 herself, the USS Discovery, Captain Lorca, First Officer Saru in gold stripes, Lieutenant Stamets, Cadet Tilly, and non-com Burnham with a different hairstyle are all available in this Series 2 set. But as Bill mentioned, we are going to give you the chance to win this entire set of pins, and it's really easy to do, isn't it, partner? Dan, it's so easy that I think even you could do it, so stay tuned here. Wow. You may not be eligible for the contest, but everybody else can simply just go to find the tweet for this week's episode on the Discovering Trek Twitter page and retweet it. It's just that simple. In fact, I'll even tell you that it's pinned to the top of the Discovering Trek Twitter page just to make it easy for you. Next week, Dan and I are going to pick one winner at random from all the people who participated, and it could just be you. Wow. So, yeah, it's just that easy. And uh, be sure to tune in to next week's episode of Discovering Trek to see if you have won this incredible Series 2 set of Discovery Pins. And as always, we like to thank Fansets for sponsoring today's episode. So, Bill, next week, uh, Episode 7, what's going to be happening here on this podcast, which is, coincidentally, also Episode 7. Hey, it's kind of neat how that works out, right? I love that. (laughs) Dan, next time on Discovering Trek, we're going to take a look at Discovery's 7th episode, titled Magic to Make the Sanest Man Go Mad. Wow, that's a great title. I love it. And joining us to break down the episode will be Kevin Reitzel from the Fandom Podcast Network. In the meantime, please remember that you can subscribe to Discovering Trek by searching for us on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, iHeartRadio, or you can just simply head on over to discoveringtrek.com. And please, for those of you on iTunes and Apple Podcasts, we truly would appreciate it if you'd rate and review the podcast. That will help other Star Trek fans find the show. Dan? Excellent, excellent, excellent. That's all I have to say about both what you just told us, Bill, and about Episode 6, Lethe, and also excellent guest tonight. Haley, we cannot thank you enough uh, for coming by and hanging out with two geeks to talk about Star Trek Discovery. We loved having you here. And uh, where can folks find you on social media if they want to uh, say hello and, and congratulate you for being on the show? Yeah. We won't go there. I could be snarky about that. Uh, (laughs) Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. Yeah. um, People can find me on Twitter at Trekkie01D. That would be the best place to find me at, actually. Excellent. It's amazing how Twitter has become the place now for people to go to, especially to go to to find Star Trek Discovery stuff. So there we have it, folks. Thanks again, Haley. We are all set, wrapping up Episode 6. And until next week... Here are some words of wisdom from Dr. Boyce of the Starship Enterprise, which actually had a nice reference in this week's episode. A man either lives life as it happens to him, meets it head-on and licks it, or he turns his back on it and starts to wither away. Until next week. Music for Discovering Trek is provided by Five Year Mission. They're writing one song for each episode of the original Star Trek. Download their music at fiveyearmission.net. Discovering Trek, a Star Trek Discovery Companion, is a production of Trek Geeks. Executive producer Dan Davidson. For even more Star Trek discussion, check out the Trek Geeks podcast, available on Apple Podcasts and trekgeeks.com.